those those cane fans on the internet because of course miami doesn't have fans except on the internet really thanked fsu all summer for fourth and 14 for that i cannot wait to see how grateful they are they're gonna be this off season thank you sir man have another oh man uh from the unconquered man i i'm not even getting my my intro right from the epr creation studio this is the unconquered podcast i can't even call this the hot takes edition this is just the uh <laughs> this is just the comedy hour at this point after florida state obliterates miami in a rivalry game on the road that did not look like a rivalry game 45 to 3 in a game that to be totally honest, they could have made this much worse on the scoreboard if they'd really wanted to invest in that. <laughs> but the scoreboard reflected how dominant Florida State's performance was in this game. And yeah, I mean, Flor- Florida State was just flat out disrespectful in this game to Miami on their home field on a big recruiting visit weekend. This is this is one of those games where if the Mario Cristobal regime never really gets off the ground in Miami, you can you can circle this game as a game that really sort of crippled them in terms of being able to show that they could even compete. That you know, you want to show proof of concept in those first years. Now, now granted, look, I don't want to get too far over my skis here because you remember. Two years ago, Miami beat Florida State forty by forty five or forty two points. Again, that one was fifty two to ten. Ten and then tonight, in the first year of their coach, Florida State beats them by forty two. The difference is that that was a a reeling FSU team in a COVID year on the road. This is a Miami team that people thought coming into the year might be a top ten. Some folks had this team in the playoff in the preseason. And then you do that on their own home turf. Some differences here in terms of where those programs at least thought they were coming into those years. Everybody knew going into the, uh, into the 2020 season that Florida state was in a major rebuild mode. This was not supposed to be a rebuild season for Miami. And boy, has it become that. And, and, you know, I'm firmly of the belief that if you get the opportunity to blow out your rival, you double tap those guys and then you go in and you kick them and you, you know, you stomp them every chance you get. So, you know, I'm a, in general, if you're playing, you know, just a normal team, you, you get up by enough, you get down there with, you know, two minutes to play and you can kneel the game out. You kneel the game out. You're playing your rival on the road. You, you you do the disrespectful thing. If you can add that extra extra touchdown to sort of pile on the disrespect and kick him while they're down, you do that. I, I firmly believe in that. <laughs> it's pretty obvious that Mike Norvell believes in that. Uh this was this was fun to watch. If you 
have ever had any association or affiliation with Florida State or had any interaction with a Miami fan. And again, that's pretty much only going to happen on the internet. But this this was this was something. Uh, Florida State had not played really a complete game all season. Uh, you could see the the flashes at this point, at, you know, here and there of this team really putting it all together. And, and they got close a couple times. I mean, they they did they got pretty close to a full game against Boston College, but that was a bad Boston College team. Now, granted, this is a bad Miami team, but it's still Miami, and it's still your rival. But they they had not played a game this complete really all season, where they took care of business and they finished drives. They finished on both sides of the ball and, and really took, took pleasure in finishing the game and putting their opponent out. It was one of those things where there've been a number of times this year where they've had opponents on the ropes and then sort of just let them out, let them off tonight. That did not happen. And I tell you what, I mean, I, <laughs> Sometimes it's really nice to be wrong. And I was very wrong about this game in a number of respects. You know, <laughs> this game was not what I expected. I did say, look, it's possible that this game could turn out this way. But I felt like Miami would have to turn it over a couple times. FSU would have to play very clean and finish all their drives. You know, what I said is if, F- F- if FSU finishes their drives with touchdowns, if they score in the red zone against a very good red zone defense, remember Miami came into this game 14th and power five in red zone defense percentage, touchdown percentage given up. And I said, look, if Florida State finishes their drives in the red zone, when they get to the red zone with touchdowns, then they could win this game big. But I didn't think that the Florida State team that had struggled with that was going to be able to do that against this Miami team with consistency. I, you know, I, the one thing I said is I don't expect Florida State to play the Miami team that played the last couple weeks against Virginia, for example. I, I didn't think they'd play that same Miami team. I thought they'd get the Miami team that dang near beat UNC, motivated, playing solid on defense. And wow, uh, they they if that team was out there, the thing that Florida State did in this game, and and this is something that that shows Mike Norvell's mentality here as a coach is they they went for the jugular from the beginning. They clearly identified some things that they wanted to go after. And when Norvell had the opportunity to double tap this team, and this is something I said on the podcast, look, if you get the opportunity to double tap them early, you do it now because that team is fragile and you're going to get their best shot early. But if you can if you can go up early on them then you might get this team to quit well they got them they got them down and this game was over by really by the end of the first quarter gave up that initial field goal and then it was all florida state from that point and several things that they did that just exposed some of the things that Miami had had trouble with and they went right at it that first touchdown is a great example of that Miami plays a lot of quarters coverage, just like everybody does in this year of college football. And Florida State lined up in a personnel grouping that was going to get them to play quarters and then used motion to basically create a one-on-one, a solo situation on the backside so that 
the safety would kind of get attracted to that. Wasn't going to be any help for that corner. And they identified they're going to put this corner on Pokey Wilson who can run. You know, Pokey's fast. They're going to put this corner one-on-one with him, and he's just going to be able to run by him and run over the top. And sure enough, they got the exact matchup they wanted with a corner who can't really run, one-on-one with a receiver who can, without any safety help, and suddenly it's it's seven to nothing right out the gate. You give up that field goal, you get a good stop there on the on that drive to to force a field goal, and then inside that five yard line into the tight zone that's giving you trouble again. And you you can see, by the way, you can see for those of you who've been asking, why is it that they that they keep getting creative in the red zone. Why do they get too cute? Well, you can see why they're, they're not, they're not able to just push teams around when they, when they just tried to run it up the gut, they weren't able to push Miami around in that context because of the extra players and the extra beef that you're able to get on the field in those situations. So they had a couple other things prepared. You get a really nice play with Travis on the boundary, which puts a guy in conflict. And suddenly you get DJ Lundy with a two yard touchdown. Now it's 14 to three. And I should pause here, or I'm, I'm going to forget. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, I should pause here to thank my sponsors. That is Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida. ShenRealEstate.com. So Shenandoah Newsma in the Research Triangle of North Carolina. If you need any real estate in either of those areas, give them a call. Let them know you heard about them from the Unconquered Podcast. Garage Makeovers, the number one garage remodeling company in South Florida. I got a text from... From Nathan over there at Garage Makeover saying, man, I should have gone to this game. He really uh, wishes he could have gone and and enjoyed this one since, uh, of course, he is in South Florida running the number one garage remodeling company in South Florida. As a knoll down there, he's going to be enjoying this one for a while. And then, of course, EPR Creations bringing you the best of Internet marketing and website development out there for an affordable price. Let's go ahead and get back to it. So you go up 14 to 3. And that's when they poured it on. And that's the thing is that's the thing that Florida state's not been able to do for a long time is get into a situation where there's, there's a player or there's a, there's a team on the ropes and you just, you knock them out and they knocked them out in the first quarter. Well, really in the second quarter, second quarter, it was 21 to three early in the second quarter. And then 28 to three, with five minutes left in the in the second quarter, that ball game was over, and everybody in that stadium knew it. That's when Miami fans started hitting the turnstiles. They started going to the to the clubs an hour away. So, you know, got to get in that car so you can uh, you can drive to Miami <laughs> so that you can get away from that game. But that mentality of attack, attack, attack early and put that team out is exactly what they needed, and. Just in terms of the running game, they they clearly had a, a really good plan in terms of some formation stuff that they did. And then just in general, they went they they used some variations of their gap runs that continued to have that just forced Miami to be off a of fit over and over and over again. Miami's run fits against the counter in the first half in particular were awful. And they kept finding ways to run, you know, counter or G, these sorts of things, getting that extra gap and getting big runs 
even though Miami did get some, did get some, uh, some create some havoc, did get some tackles for loss. I mean, you look at the you look at the numbers. Miami actually had more yards law. They forced more yards lost and tackles for loss than Florida State did. They had three sacks. They had let's see, a total tackles for loss here. They had 11 tackles for loss in this game. Miami was able to do some things with their defensive line in this game. But Florida State schemed it and and ran their offense such that it didn't matter. And that's something we talked about in the in the in the pregame that Miami was vulnerable to chunk runs and to chunk plays. In terms of overall success rate, you have to be you you have to figure you're going to give up some some tackles for loss against that defensive line. Well, geez, they they really they really struggled with that. They they could not tackle once the backs got through that got through the line of scrimmage, and that's when it that's when it got fun for for Trey Benson in particular going up against his old coach, going up against uh, Mario Cristobal. You look at really where this game was won. Florida State had nine runs that qualify as big plays. So nine runs of 10, 10 yards or more run of 42, 10, 21, 13 touchdowns, seven, 10, 26, 22, 15. Those are a lot of chunk plays. A lot of them. Now, Miami, by the way, had seven of them, had seven of those plays. Now, <laughs> thing is, of those, three of them were on the same drive in the third quarter when Florida State put their entire two defense in after that game was basically over. And then two more came in the fourth quarter when, again, the twos were on the, on the field. So that's a pretty big difference. Florida State did that damage across the whole game and mostly before the, the, the third quarter was out. They had seven in, in the first three quarters. And that's really where that game was won, along with the two long passes. You had the uh, 65-yarder to Toa Feely, and then you had the 56-yarder to uh, to Wilson. And actually that that 65 yarder to Toafili, I had just texted with Chad Wheeler, uh, another former walk-on at Florida State guy who's coached in college and also high school. Uh, really good follow if you if you don't follow him on uh, on social media. But I was just texting with him and he said at that point cuz Florida State uh, was up at that point what 21 to 21 to 3 and he said, you know, got a got a score here and put him out. And I texted back if I've got any more shot plays in my bag, I'm using it on this drive. And sure enough, they busted out that little wheel, that little rub wheel that they've used in the past to Toa Feely to get a huge play on that drive that again, once that happened and it, it went to what, 28 to 28 to three at that point, that completely put this game out of reach since Miami, especially once Van Dyke was out, they, they couldn't move the football at all, really. And, you know, you knew that game was over. And again, you use your shot plays in the right spots. You scheme that up and, and you take advantage of those. And that's what good teams do. And look, Florida State this year, I think we need to start accepting the fact that this Florida State team is a good football team. And that's one of the things that's actually the most frustrating thing about having watched this game and watched how dominant Florida State was and then watch immediately after the finish of this game, LSU beat Alabama in overtime. And you realize 
that LSU that LSU team that Florida State beat at the beginning of the year is a legit team. And Florida State didn't win that by luck. They didn't win that because they played early and LSU was not, you know, was not as good as they are now. LSU's gotten better. Florida State's gotten better. And the, the thing that really stings about watching this game is I, I continue to believe that if Fabian Lovett had not gotten hurt on that last drive from LSU, I think Florida State is 7-1 and one at worst right now. I think they might be 8-0. And especially watching Florida State's run defense against Miami in this game and watching how different they look when Lovett is on the field at defensive tackle. I I don't think this team loses to the Wake Forest team that just lost to NC State. I certainly don't think they lose to that NC State team. And I'm not sure they lose to Clemson, the Clemson team that just got uh, blown out at, at Notre Dame. I think this team might be undefeated right now if you didn't have that one just absolutely critical injury to a guy you couldn't lose. And I know, look, college football is all ifs and buts, of course, everybody. But again, I'm looking at this and I'm going, this is a good football team. When Fabian Lovett's on the field, this is a team that that is going to go toe-to-toe with your Alabamas of the world. This is a team. So you had people out there on social media this, this week talking about how, you know, Tennessee's gotten there faster, you know, Josh Heupel's in year two with them and it's way ahead of where Mike Norvell look. I think this Florida state team might be better than that Tennessee team. When Fabian Lovett is healthy, when Florida state is as healthy as they are now. And again, remember they've had some significant injuries that some guys are just not coming back and they're still going to get Ward back. But this team the way that it's playing right now can go toe-to-toe with just about anybody in the country. I'm not saying they'd win all those games, but Tennessee, this Florida State team can hang with that kind of team. Alabama, this Florida State, if LSU just beat Alabama, this Florida State team is capable of that. Again, it's when Lovett's on the field, I think that makes a huge difference. They've got to have the pieces that they have on the field right now, still on the field. But that's how close they are. That's how close the margins are right now. This is a good Florida State team, and it's been a long time since Florida State's been legitimately good. Looking at the numbers for this game, this was, as I said before, this was a demolition. 3.6 yards per play given up to Miami. Seven yards of play for for Florida State. And the thing is, it gets worse because those numbers don't account really for the difference once FSU went with backups, basically, through most of the second half. You look at through the first half, if you just look at the first half numbers, Florida State averaged 8.4 yards per play against a pretty good Miami defense and then gave up 2.9 yards per play against a bad Miami offense. Those are disrespectful numbers. You're outgaining them by more than, well, just under three times. Now, FSU has not been outgained on a per-play basis yet this year. That, again, highlights this is a good football team. 
Then you look at the third quarter, 6.9 yards per play for Florida State, 5.2 for Miami. FSU sort of stepped off the gas on defense at that point. And you can see that because they, they had their entire two defense on the field for the second drive of the third quarter, which is when Miami got that drive down inside the red zone. FSU put the starters in and then got the stop with some help. Then in the third quarter, 8.1, or uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, let's see, 4.1 yards per play. They ran the ball 13 times in the fourth quarter, 4.1 yards per play against 3.1 yards per play for Miami. This game was never close. It was never in doubt. And even after FSU put their put their backups on the field and, and Miami had starters on the field still at that point, it still wasn't competitive. I mean, FSU still forced two turnovers in the fourth quarter with backups. Now, yes, you had a backup quarterback and your number three quarterback, who's also kind of your backup quarterback right now. They, they kind of shared that role. One of them had the fumble and the other with, with the late interception. But, I mean, first of all, that was your starting right tackle for Miami that got beat by Peyton. And Peyton, in that case, just reached out and, sna- and, and swatted the ball. It's a really heads-up play, really good play. Also reflects how long that kid is how long that guy is. I'm, I'm getting to the place where I really hate hearing people talk about college football players as kids because these are not kids. They're 18 plus. These are men. And the whole kid thing is a way of sort of diminishing that aspect of that. So I'm, I'm trying to break myself of that as well. But that, that, that cat is long and you can see that. <laughs> and four turnovers in this game forced and it didn't even feel like that. Because, I mean, the one turnover was inside the inside the red zone. You had the bad snap. Okay, it's not really a forced turnover. That's an unforced error to some degree. But then Verse just outran, outran him to the ball and was able to win that wrestling match for it. Then you had the, the forced fumble in, in the pocket. Then you had the interception. And then you had the, uh, the greedy Vance interception that set up the, the, the score down there as well. That, that really sort of changed things as well in that case, or just poured fuel on the flames where Garcia came in and just made a bad read. And Vance covered that correctly, recognized the the pattern. Uh, he did the proper pattern match and uh, and played the proper technique and was right there in the passing, passing lane. And this is something I, I mentioned a couple weeks ago is, you know, I had people asking, well, Florida State's just not forcing turnovers. What's up with that? Is this just because they play so passive on defense or whatever? And I kept saying, look, they're not really playing passively on defense. One of the factors here is that they're playing a bunch of offenses that just don't turn the ball over a bunch. I mean, you just don't see those teams turn it over a whole lot. Now, of course, Wake Forest went out and made a liar of me last week, turning it over in bunches with really uncharacteristic plays. But Hartman's good for one of those a year, and FSU didn't draw that Hartman. And then, you know, Clemson had a couple tonight where that that cost them. But again, those were mostly uncharacteristic in those situations, and it was largely because Notre Dame was able to get a lead and force Clemson to press. And then once they pressed, they ended up having a couple key turnovers. So a little bit different. FSU was playing from behind there. Uh, against Clemson through most of that game. And, and again, that changes things. You don't turn the ball over as much when you're playing from ahead because you're not pressing. You're not throwing in, in bad spots. You're not, you're, you're playing with leverage. And so 
the thing that I, I said is let's let's wait and see what happens once they start playing the the teams on the back half of the schedule. Wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing a lot more turnovers. We got four in this game. And again, I think that's largely because you're playing against a team that offensively, that they're not what you played in LSU, which is a team that doesn't turn it over much. They're not what you played in uh, Louisville, which with Malik Cunningham generally is not going to turn it over a bunch, especially with how, how much he ran the ball in that game. So I think this sort of shows what they're capable of if they can get that early lead and then force and basically dictate to opposing offenses that they're going to have to really score a lot of points to win the game and and come back from behind, suddenly that defense has more teeth. The other thing is, of course, and mentioned this uh, before as well, Lovett changes things for you defensively. In a healthy verse, or healthier, he's still not healthy. A healthier verse changes things for you defensively because you're getting pressure and you're also stopping the run better and you're basically playing with leverage in terms of down and distance and you're getting better pass rush that's going to lead to you know better turnover numbers as well so this Florida State team to my eye appears to be peaking I mean you played now two games in a row one where you just were dominant over a really bad Georgia Tech team and another where you actually played I don't know that I'd call this FSU's A game, but it was close to it. It's probably their B plus, maybe A minus game. I think Mike Norvell would would point to a few things that they could definitely do better. But on the whole, this was this was a, a solid performance across the board for Florida State, and so that's they're stringing good performances back to back now, and then and now they get they get Syracuse. Now they're going to have an opportunity to beat a team that has been ranked. They're not going to be ranked anymore. And that's a team that Florida State's better than by a good bit. That's another team that they're going to have to go out and, and beat, but that's a team that you should be able to, to, you know, double tap early and start to pull away on. And I think that's, that's really, really critical. So this game, like I said, really, really fun to watch for any Anybody who's ever been affiliated with Florida State, anybody who's ever put on a uniform at Florida State, this was this was a great pleasure. Also a little bittersweet, just because it, again, serves as sort of confirmation of this being a really good Florida State team. The team we saw tonight with Lovett on the field and, and playing the way that they did, executing the way that they did against this Miami team, that's a top 15, probably top 10 football team. Yeah, I'm serious. The Florida State team we saw tonight and the way that they've been playing, that's a top 10 team. They just had the misfortune of losing some really critical pieces at the wrong time when the schedule amped up and took three losses that I think if they played, if they ran those three games back, they'd probably win two of those three. This should be a one-loss team, most likely. But this could be an undefeated team with the way that they have been capable of playing. And they're just, they just haven't quite been able to get over the hump. And again, that's one of those things where the, the next step for Florida State, you know, you get to the win close phase here. And this was not close. But in terms of record, in terms of playing closer on the margin, 
the next step for Florida State is is they're they're now playing good football and they're now capable of playing at a top ten level. We've seen it multiple games this year where they played at a clear top ten level. You don't beat that LSU team this year without being without playing at that kind of level, and they did. They're capable of that. The next step for this Florida State team is going to be getting sufficient depth that that becomes the norm, even when a couple pieces go out for a few weeks. And that's really where they where they just didn't have it this year. They they didn't have sufficient depth to be able to absorb some of the injuries that they've had at different places and just carry on and win in those games anyway. Not in those not in that three game stretch. And again, you just you get one more defensive tackle piece that's close to a Lovett level, and suddenly you win two of those three games and you're still in the hunt. You're in command for the for your division, or at least, you know, have a real chance of winning your division and have still have an outside chance at, at the college football playoff. But here here's the other thing. How attractive does Florida State look right now if you are a transfer? If you're a high-profile portal guy at this point, you know you can go right to Florida State and they know how to handle you and they're going to make you look good. If you're a good player, they're going to they're going to have you ready to potentially be a one and done. Now, FSU's going to have to be choosy in the portal situation this year because of the roster number situation. But I'm going to be really interested to see who returns from this Florida State roster. They got a couple guys that I expect to turn pro. I mean, I, I think verse is gone, for one. But depending on who comes back from this team, you know, this team could be a college football playoff contender next year. I don't think they're a national title contender, but they're a contender to get to the playoff. They're they're a contender to win the conference next year. And that is, I mean, you're talking about huge steps forward that Mike Norvell and his coaching staff have gotten to happen in Tallahassee. This is exactly the sort of leap forward that you needed in Tallahassee to show proof of concept, to continue to upgrade a little bit in terms of your recruiting, to make yourself that much more appealing to top portal prospects. And again, this was a game where your number one running back target, who I'm not sure is gettable because of the NIL situation against Texas, in fact, I don't think he's gettable, but you know, if there's any possibility that he's gettable, he was at this game on Miami's dime. Cedric Baxter was at this game on Miami's dime, as I understand it, to watch this and watch Florida State just demolish them on the ground. How attractive does that look if you are a, a top-level prep running back? I mean, you can see yourself out there and go, you know, it's hard not to put up numbers in this offense. I'm going to be, I, I would be pretty in pretty good shape and they're not going to run the wheels off me by just handing me the, the ball and, you know, every play and giving it to me 30 times like some programs will. I'm going to look real good in this run offense. I'm going to have a chance to showcase and I'm also going to have some tread on the tires when I finish. It's pretty appealing. So Norvell continues to show proof of concept. This team, to me, has turned a corner. The program has turned a corner. And now it's just time to, to close out this season. You absolutely have to beat Syracuse and obviously Louisiana. 
And I think Florida is going to be a challenge at the end of the season. I mean, that Florida team is more talented than this Miami team by a lot. And they're dangerous because they've got a quarterback who has not played well on the season, but is capable of doing doing some serious damage, especially with his feet. And we've seen FSU's defense at times have some trouble with that. So, you know, you can't look at this schedule and automatically assume three wins, but they should win the next two. And those games should be comfortable. They should be. If they take care of their business, they should be. And then you you got a chance to beat both of your rivals and go in with a chance for a 10-win season in a bowl game. Tell you what, if you'd given that, op- that opportunity at this stage of the season for Florida State to be where they are at this stage of the season, if you'd given Florida State fans, at least the, the knowledgeable ones, an idea of that a choice that this is what you're where you're going to be at this point in the season. Most folks would have said, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We'll take that. Now. I actually don't think Mike Norvell would have taken that because I, I, I mentioned this at the beginning of the year. I, I thought you could see in some interviews and some behind the scenes stuff. He really thought he, he liked this team. He, he thought he had something in this team and it turns out he was right. Cause I think by the end of this season, this team and some of the advanced metrics may well be a top 10 team because they're playing at that level right now. We'll see if they can sustain it. We'll see if they can stay healthy enough to sustain it at those key positions. But man, this is, uh, this is exactly, if you want to endear yourself to the Florida state booster base and, and to the fan base, beating your rivals on their home turf by 42 is a good, pretty good place to start. Good win for Mike Norvell. Good win for the Florida state program. Talk a little bit more about it. I'm going to, uh, again, I'm planning on doing a, a question and answer podcast early this week. Uh, go ahead and let me know if you have any questions or any specific things you want me to talk about. Uh, can't obviously do all of it, but uh, preference given to those who are uh, responding through Patreon and all of that. Oh, I almost forgot too. I, I, I do want to give credit where credit is due. Uh, you know, I've got my, uh, my old college buddies uh, text thread. You know, we all have that. My, my old college room, one of my old college roommates, uh, one of my best friends, uh, also the guy who is an amazing designer um, and great graphic designer. He's the guy who did the stickers for uh, the Unconquered podcast shop. Really terrific at that. When we were having our uh, pregame, you know, what, what scores are you expecting and all of that? He dang near called the score on this one. He was convinced that that Miami was was just garbage this year and Florida state would pour it on in this game. So credit where credit is due. Robbie Smith down there in Florida, uh, called 41 to 13 on this. He was regretting the 13 as early as the first half, but, uh, bravo, Robbie, you had the, uh, for someone who's as pessimistic in general on Florida state football. And, you know, Robbie's been as pessimistic as anybody in recent years, for him to go out on that limb was unusual, and uh, wow, he he had the uh, the stones to call one that I just was not convinced that that this Florida State team was going to be able to run and hide like this, that they'd be able to knock knock Miami out like. Or I knew they were able, I wasn't sure they would, uh, and I was not willing to go out on that limb for this game. Well, good for you, Robbie. Uh, uh, I I would say I owe you some stickers or something, but <laughs> you do that better than I do, so. Uh, this is the best I can do. Bravo, Robbie Smith, uh, for calling it exactly as it uh, as it was. Although, again, you over you overestimated how good Miami's offense might be. But I'll give you credit since you didn't know uh, 
Tyler Van Dyke wouldn't play after the after the first quarter. And that'll do it for us. As always, this has been the Unconquered Podcast. I would say Hot Takes Edition. I guess this is the Unconquered Podcast post-game Miami roast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, ShenRealEstate.com in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach and Broward County, and the Unconquered Podcast shop at UnconqueredPodcast.com, which features stickers, magnets, and other seminal gear. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the dynasty level, that is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Caswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Kashishki, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, post us on social media, and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.